We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. You have kept up with the reading plan. We'll be finishing your 40-day devotional. I'm going to give you a hand clap, whoever you are. Thank you for that. Excellent. And if you're behind, it does not take you long at all to catch up, all right? We're so glad that everybody's been doing this with us. Uh, My favorite thing about this sermon series is that it has gotten us into our Bibles. I love that. That is always a powerful thing. I love to see that. We need to be a church that's in our Bibles. For anyone who is joining us tonight and you're like, what in the world are they talking about? Like my friend Buck Williams. Uh, We've been doing a sermon series in tandem with a 40-day devotional. The devotional is also called Nobody Left Out by author Michael Murray. If you're joining us uh, just for the first time, I want to encourage you to go find this book on Amazon and do this devotional uh, with the sermon series. That's what's so great about online. If this is the first time you've ever caught us, uh, go ahead and get this book, and you can go back to our YouTube. You can go back to our podcast, all those things that are saved, and you can just do it in real time with us all over again. You can find all our sermons at redemptionplano.com, Facebook, YouTube, even on Spotify. We're, we're, we're kind of a big deal, guys. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> I love you guys. Tonight, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 12. You can open up your Bible. Just Google search Mark 12. That'll bring you right up to it. Maybe you got one of those things of antiquity. They've got pages in it. You actually turn it. If so, go find Mark 12. And it's okay if you have to go to the table of contents to find the book of Mark, and it's chapter 12. We're going to be reading tonight about the poor widow. Everybody say, poor widow. We'll be reading a short story in the book of Mark chapter 12. We're going to be beginning at verse 41. This story is only four verses long. Four verses long. And that is very different from last, last week's story. That was an entire chapter of John We've read that entire chapter. So this one is very short. We're going to read it together starting now. Mark 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Thank you, Lord, for your word. This story only takes up four verses in your Bible, but can I suggest to you that this story is much larger than the four verses in your Bible. Let's look back at verse 41. Jesus sat down. He sat down where? Opposite. Opposed to the place where the offerings were put. And watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amount. What do you think Jesus is doing here. Just just think about that. There's no wrong answers in your brain. Whatever you think he's doing, just just I want you to do uh, the lost art of thinking about things. Think about this. What do you think Jesus Christ is doing here? 
is Jesus watching what? What do you think he's watching? He's watching people. I want to talk to you about Jesus, the people watcher. Have you ever gone somewhere and just watched people? Yeah. When, when, when I first moved to the North Dallas area, I would go to a certain Starbucks. And it's in one of the nicer parts of North Dallas. It's a little place called Highland Park. Have you ever heard of Highland Park? All right. Uh, and I would uh, buy the nicest water at that Starbucks. It was a college student, guys. It was, it was, it was rough going. All right. <laughs> I will take a Trenta water with extra ice, extra ice. All right. So I, I would go to this uh, Starbucks in Highland Park, and I, I would set up my laptop, and I, and I would actually get some work done, but I would have to admit to you I was always amazed by the people who would wander in. You had the rich walk in. You had some rich people. They were obviously rich. You could, you could see the ride they got out of, and you could see their well-put-together put ensemble as they walked in to the Starbucks. But you would also see the maid who worked for the rich. And sometimes they'd pull up and they would actually have the, you know, the decal on the side of their car. And you're like, oh, okay, this person. So it's, it's not just the fabulous and rich and famous. It's also just hardworking people here. All right. And then you would also see, you would also see the child that came from the rich. And you, it's amazing. You can tell these things. You can tell these things, right? Uh, they, they looked like they maybe had trouble with college, right? They, like, but they were definitely affording college, and they were like, like the hair wasn't quite combed, but they were on their way to school, and they're like, oh, man, I've been partying all night. They saw that, that crowd. You saw the high-powered CEO, and they had like on a power suit with a power tie and a power briefcase, and they were, they were very specific about their order. It had to be perfect. All right, and, and you had eclectic people come in, and they were just kind of, wow, I don't know. That is, I don't know. Have you ever seen really strange fashion stuff? Yeah, you would see some of that. It was like, what in the world? And they probably got it straight off of some crazy fashion show where it looks like, reminds me of the movie Zoolander where they have a, a fashion called Derelict, right? And it's, it looks like trash. Or way. It, it looked wild like that, but it looked uh, way more than I could uh, afford. And if you had high-powered CEOs, you also had even higher-powered soccer moms. And they came in. If you thought the if you thought the CEO was well put together, that soccer mom was like a drill sergeant. She was down to the moment. She had it all put together. It was it was really amazing. And then if you looked hard enough, if you looked right in the corner of that place, you would see a poor minister in a church plant. Every once in a while, he would show up. Yeah, that was me, guys. Yeah, yeah, that guy. And I'd set myself up to do some work, but also to watch people. It was just really a fascinating thing for me growing up in Waco. We didn't have a whole lot to watch like this. And so Holland Park, that's really interesting. Uh, people coming in, I would try to guess kind of what their story is, wonder what their story is about. That's what it's like to 
people watch. Raise your hand if you've ever just kind of people watched, all right? You go to the mall, you go around. Um, now, here in Mark chapter 12, we see Jesus. He's positioned himself sitting opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he's intently, it says it, watching the crowd. So can I submit to you that Jesus is a people watcher? He's just watching the people. He watched the people as they what? Gave their offering. Perhaps Jesus was paying close attention to the motivation in which they gave their offering. Now notice the last sentence of verse 41. Let's put this back up on the screen here. Many rich people were throwing in large amounts. What do you envision when you read rich people throwing in large amounts? Get that picture in your head? You got that picture? All right. All right. Anybody see them writing like they get out a checkbook? They're like, now who do I make this out to? And they're, they're writing a big check and they've got extra zeros at it. They actually have zeros before the decimal point. Did you know you could do that? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Zero, zeros. I can put lots of zeros behind the decimal point, but not so many before the decimal. Maybe they threw in a Bitcoin. Like, here's a Bitcoin. Maybe that's your picture. Uh, it's Money's weird nowadays. We have digital money. It even has memes on it sometimes, like Doge coin. I just, I don't even, how do you take that seriously? Maybe they made it rain, right? Maybe they threw in a big wad of tightly wound dollar bills. These are like the pictures I would have of a rich person throwing in a large amount. Well, the word for large is polus. Everybody say polus. It's a Greek word, polus. And it is a word indicating quantity and number, not size. So it indicates quantity rather than size. What is this meaning? The word means rather than uh, the size of a stack, it would mean the amount that was in the stack. It, it is like, it's almost like the rich would come up to offer uh, at the offering plate, and instead of putting in a $1 bill, they would get the dollar changed for 100 pennies, right? Because it's the same value, but one has more palouse, right? If you dropped a dollar on the floor, that would take you no time to pick up. It's just one dollar bill, y'all. But if you dropped a hundred pennies on the floor, you'd be like, oh, now I have to pick all this up, right? Because it's it's more in in the amount of the pieces of it. Not size value, but palouse quantity. These rich people would come up and they'd give their offering in such a way that it would make the most noise when it landed in the collection plate. And the people threw in palouse amounts of money. Let's watch the people along with Jesus for a moment. Imagine them in your head. They're, they're coming and they've got, maybe in a bag, they've got all this change. And they just do it all at once. 
with a big loud thunderous thing that everybody goes, what? What was that? That was loud. Or maybe they take their time and they're like, one, two, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pop? I mean, they're just doing one at a time. Maybe they're doing that and everybody's like, oh, get on with it. What are you doing? Right? Why? Why do you think they gave their offerings in quantity rather than in size? Think about that. Think about that. Could it have been a motivation? Could it be that they wanted everyone to know that they were giving? And that they wanted to be giving in Palouse a great quantity so that the people around them would turn to see who was giving the very loud amount. Likely the crowd would even start to judge who is the richest among them, who is the most powerful among them. Maybe someone would even bump someone near them and say, hey, is that so-and-so? Who is that person right there? I noticed that they gave quite a bit of money. Who is that over there? They gave that. Or... Maybe they would even feel a little superior to the other person that gave less than they had given. Maybe even they heard some people give a lot and they're like, oh, forget this. I'm going to go make some change. I'm going to get some more change so I can look a little bit more with it than the previous person who gave. What a weird motivation in giving. How many think that maybe um, Jesus wouldn't have been so pleased with that motivation? Right. How many still believe Jesus is not pleased with such a motivation? Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Verse 42. In the midst of them trying to jockey for position, figure out who's better, who's more powerful, who's richer, we have verse 43. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. What do we know about this woman from this one verse? Well, we know that she is a a widow. That's very good. We we have talked about how an unmarried woman would struggle in the in the ancient world. We've talked about that all throughout this series. So here's a woman, she is not married anymore because her husband has died. That's what a widow is, and now she according to the culture around her is at a uh a, 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 in a spot of, of trouble, in a spot of, of uh, not being able to have the help that she needs. So she's a widow. Number two, she is what? Poor. Very good. Scripture literally defines her as poor. Says it. And the third thing we know is that she gave an offering. And we even know what the offering was. She gave Two copper coins. So, have you ever studied the coins of the gospel? Probably haven't. Really nerdy stuff. But the two coins that she gave were likely called leptons. There was actually a picture that was supposed to come up of this. Get that off there. Leptons. Everyone say leptons. If you uh, take your pinky, if you take your pinky about like uh, maybe, depending how big your pinky is, if you go with the circumference of your pinky, that's about the size of a 
lepton. It's a very small little ancient coin. It's sometimes translated as mite. You've probably heard that, the widow's mite. But this coin is specifically called the lepton. These lepton coins were the smallest in size and they were the smallest in value. I read this week that the lepton is to believe to have been the smallest denomination of money in the history of the world. It's hard to prove such a thing. But it is believed that what she threw in there is the smallest amount of money ever devised among a people. One has to wonder if the two lepton coins could have even been heard when they landed in that offering plate. Someone might wonder. People chuckled about such an offering. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about the stupid act of judging the worth of others. To do that, I'm in, we're going to build up a, a, a ladder of success up here, a hierarchy, and we're going to do some judging. Anybody want to judge? If you don't want to, you're probably doing really good. But for me, let's do some judging. I need some help in here. All right, Madeline and Savannah. All right, Robert, come on and, and help me here. So thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Rick. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. So y'all stay with me over here. We got some tape. We're going to do this up right. All right, guys. The crowd was participating in a contest of work. Everybody that gave it was all being remembered. Everybody was like, what is the biggest offering? Well, I'm sure we can agree that that's gross. We also need to admit that we sometimes do the same thing. We sometimes see people and we think thoughts about them and we put them either up or we put them down. Somebody say, yes, I'm telling the truth. We constantly even rank ourselves against Others. So who do we got here? Ooh, we've got this one. Show this one to the people right there. Got that. The homeless. Where do you think? So if if the top is like the king of being awesome, where do you think the homeless would go on this list? Where where would you think? Where would where would they go? They would go somewhere near the bottom, right? Here's a piece of tape. Let's let's go. Let's put them like right. Let's put them right there. So we got the homeless people. Oh, then you, you pulled up in your car. That is literally held together by scotch tape sometimes. And you bragged because you were able to put some gas in it this week. Took out a bank loan. You were able to put some gas in that part of the. But somebody pulls up next to you and they're driving a. Oh, they're driving a Tesla. They're driving a Tesla. Show that to the people right there. All right, so that Tesla driver, where do you think they, they kind of rank in there? And you're like, oh, man, that's pretty nice. That's, that's pretty nice. Where y'all think? Where, oh, it's like prices, right? Where we, y'all, y'all start calling out when we get there. Y'all, what? Whereabouts are we? Oh, right here. All right, here's a piece of tape. Man, this is getting exciting. We're going to have the, the showcase showdown in this altar later. You want to make it down here? All right, right there. Thank you. Thank you. And then we got we got some people there. The what is it? They, they're the popular. The popular. Where 
Where do the popular rank in, in the hierarchy of power, in the hierarchy of, well, those are, well, I want to be, I want to be in with those people. Where do they rank? So, right here, on this side, they're probably the ones owning the, the Tesla. Is that what you're saying? All right. All right. We'll move on. How about this one? Powerful, powerful. Come, somebody help me. Powerful. Where does the powerful go? Where does the powerful go? You, you want to go up the top? All right. How about, how about let's we'll go right there with that. All right. We got the powerful. How about, how about, gosh, I always blush when I have to say this one. I, why are y'all laughing? <laughs> I almost put a picture of myself there. Kathy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good looking. Where do you, where do you, where do we put good looking on this list? All right. Hey, everybody, what? Right by popular? It's like one in the same. There we go. Where are we, where are we going? Where are we putting it? I didn't quite give you enough take. But there you go. Take that. Thank you. How about, all right, well, now we're, now we're cooking with gas. How about this guy? How about this guy? Where does this one go? Where do you think this goes? Right? Where is this? Down here? Where, where are we looking? Near the top, let's put that one right here. Let's put, all right, so, oh, you need a piece of, oh, there we go. All right. If you're the powerful, you want to know the millionaire. If you're the millionaire, you want to know the powerful. That kind of goes hand in hand, all right. Oh, and you know what? The, the millionaire has no one to look up, right, to. None of the millionaires ever look up to anybody, do they? No, no, there's, there's billionaires out there, aren't there? Yeah, 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 go ahead and put that. Let's just go ahead and put that one at the very top. There we go. And then, then y'all can be seated. Can we hear it for our friends up here? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So we've got this hierarchy. This, this exists in our world. This exists in how people think. If you wanted to, like... Really talk to your congressman. I mean, you can send a letter. But this guy, he doesn't send a letter, right? He walks in that room. Isn't that a thing that happens, right? Right. The, yeah. These people right here, they, they have a little bit easier job going door to door or, or, or trying to uh, get the job. They, I mean, there's all these things. There's, there's things, and it, it's, it's hard out there. It really is. And there are all these kind of thoughts that happen even in this group right here. If you're in here somewhere, you might be thinking, at least I'm not that person. That's a dangerous thought you can have. And if you're not careful, you can have that thought while you're driving around and you see someone not driving a Tesla, right? You're seeing someone that's maybe not so popular. You're seeing somebody that does have less money than you. And even some people that have so much money, it, for, for a lot of people, it's even hard to distinguish money between the word billion and million. But these people may think, what, at least I'm not that person. They only have $22 million. How do they live, right? 
So we might be thinking, at least I'm not that person. Somewhere on this list, all up and down it, we could be thinking. We could also be thinking, I wish I were that person. Could be looking up, up at someone else in some power scheme and go, I wish I were that person. And there's two options here. If you have, at least I'm not that person, you're saying, that person's a loser. And if you're saying, I wish I were that person, you might accidentally say, I am a loser. You get that? And we've been there. Have you ever heard this quote? Second place is the first loser. Ever heard that quote? I've heard that quote used a lot in life. Instead of honoring the accomplishment of wherever you placed in second place, that's quite an amazing accomplishment to get second place. You would belittle the accomplishment. Why? Because you are ranking yourself against other people. That's why you would do that. So you would actually tear down the accomplishments of others and the accomplishment of yourself. So I want to tell you, welcome to the stupid act of judging the worth of others. Welcome. Put it up on the screen. I want you to put it up on the screen. Welcome to the stupid act of judging the worth of others. The whole world is doing. And the widow, where do you think she belongs? Where do you think she, who thinks, who's ready to put her up? Anybody? The people standing around, they would have put her way down, right? Because she's a woman. That's one of the things. We've got that uh, that happening right there. I just had, there it is. Some, it's clear tape. Sometimes trouble finding things clearly. All right. They might find her way down here. We don't know much about her, but we know that the system was stacked against this woman. There's people all around that the world is stacked against them. You may feel that way today. You might feel like the world is stacked against me. The world is stacked against the people I love. There are all kinds of issues that could come up that would cause you to feel that way about yourself and about others. What we are judging the widow on today. What, do, do we remember what we were judging the widow on? What were we judging her on? Her, the money that she was giving, right? Money. Everybody say money. That's what we're judging. Uh, that, that has not changed in all these many years. That was nearly 2,000 years ago. And we are still doing the same thing today. Judging people on their money. Don't we understand that your bank account is only one small aspect of your life. Do you agree with that? What you have in your bank account does not tell your entire story. Don't you agree with that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, do you understand that there are many aspects that make us who we are? Spent some time. I just wrote some things. These are some things that are aspects that kind of make you who you are, and they are noteworthy, right? How about your intelligence? How about your speaking skills? How about your artistic 
ability? How about your vision? How about your athletic ability? How about your kindness? How about your discipline, your integrity, your honesty, and your loyalty? How about your longevity and your faithfulness? How about your heart and your spirit, your energy, your ingenuity, your speed, your humor, your discernment? There are many things that are making you up. There are many aspects of you that are amazing. I want to tell you, it is stupid to try to judge someone's worth based on one single aspect of their life. I'm going to say it one more time. It is beyond stupid to judge someone based on one single aspect of their life. (laughs) Michael Jordan, what a loser. Don't you know, he could never be a horse jockey. He'd get on that horse, his legs would drag along the ground because he's so tall. What a loser. He could never win the Kentucky Derby. Michael Jordan, right? What a silly guy that guy is, right? We, we could, we, that is just one aspect of Michael Jordan. Sure, he might not be the greatest equestrian of all time, but the dude can bite, fly through the air and dunk the ball. He won six championships. He took two years off in the middle and still won six. I want to tell you, it is stupid to judge others like this on one one of their aspects. It is also foolish, you listen, it is also foolish to judge yourself in the same way. Somebody needed to hear that tonight. It is stupid and it is foolish for you to judge yourself in the same way. You have this one aspect of your life and you're like, gosh, I can't jump more than two feet high. Maybe not even that high. I'm such a loser. Like judging yourself, sure, Michael Jordan can jump higher than you, but that's just one aspect of your life. It is foolish to be judging yourself according to one aspect of your life. And here's also, it is stupid to judge when you don't know every aspect. It is stupid to judge when you don't know every aspect. Does anybody here know every aspect of anything? No, not at all. We, we do not know this poor widow's story. We know very little about the widow. We don't know her name. We definitely don't know every aspect. We don't know her story. We don't know her age. We don't know how long she's been a widow. We don't know what kind of job she works at. We don't know how she got these two copper coins. We don't know how long she's had them. We don't know the journey she's made to this day and to this temple. We don't know. The person you are judging, can I tell you something? You don't know every aspect of their life. Tell yourself that the next time you're driving on 75. Okay? When we start telling ourselves that, we don't know every aspect of that person's life. You know something starts to bubble up on us? It's called mercy. And it's called grace. Right? We don't know every aspect of a person's story. The people who are judging you learn to laugh that off. The people that are judging, you need to learn to laugh that off. I know it hurts. I know you probably don't even want to hear about that. But you need to learn to laugh that off. 
and keep walking. Why? Because it is so stupid for that person to be judging you. They don't know every aspect of your story. So stop getting pounded down into the dirt because someone said a bad thing about you. Someone is whispering about you. Someone wrote something about you. Someone disagreed with you on, on the Facebook, right? Somebody, somebody's done these things. Let it all go. Laugh it off. They can't judge you. They don't know every aspect of your life. But you do know there is somebody who knows every aspect. There is someone who knows every aspect of your story and every aspect of everyone's story. Who is that person? Jesus. It's God. The judge knows every aspect. Do you agree with that? He knows everything. This is why it only makes sense for God to be our judge. God knows every aspect of you. He knows you completely. In fact, he knows you better than you know yourself. In fact, it's true. Lillian, we don't even know every aspect of us. Do you know that there are at least 20 wonderful stories about you you've forgotten? And every once in a while, someone reminds you and you're like, Oh my gosh, that felt so good. You know why that felt so good? That was an aspect of your story that you forgot. Sometimes help people remember the aspect of their story. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. Hey, there was a time I was going through a rough time and you called me and you hung out with me and I felt such like a loser. You looked me in the eye and you said, you're not a loser. Somebody needs to remember that story. And, you know, the truth is we forget those stories. We forget those stories. I, I wish we would hold each other up in such high regard that no one would forget those stories anymore. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Well, don't you think the church of Jesus Christ ought to be a place where all of our good stories are, like, told on repeat? They're, like, on loop, where you don't have to tell it like Jeff is talking about how Kathy was so faithful during a rough time in her life. Where Kathy, over here, our second Kathy, is talking about how wonderful it was when Deborah started to come to church and she just like fit in with us. It was so wonderful. Isn't that great? How, how Will tells all the stories about how Rick would get here early and he'd set up his computer and then he his computer, his guitar, and then he would just rock our faces off with some gospel music. We'd tell these stories. Remember, stop. Because God knows every aspect, God is the only one who should be our judge. I say amen if it's true. And because God knows every aspect, guess what? Jesus looked at the offering of the widow, and he knew every aspect. Verse 43 says this, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the Verse 44, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. Everyone else has their ranking system. And everybody's ranking system, it's based on pollutes amounts. The amounts of it all, right? Not the value of it all, just the sheer number of it all. But Jesus reveals how God sees the widow's gift. And he holds 
her gift up above everyone else's. I want to tell you that Jesus, Jesus comes along and he says, you know what? This lady, she just is wonderful. I want to make sure, guys, that y'all don't forget about this lady. And you know that we know her story all these many years later. Why? Because Jesus noticed her and made sure all of us know about her. Everybody say, Jesus notices. It was such a small amount. It was just two copper coins. Leptons, the smallest amount of money you can find anywhere in the history of the world. But Jesus noticed. He noticed the gift. And he says, it's the greatest of all. And he is God who knows every aspect. So who are you to disagree with him? Could it be the same for your small amount? Anybody feel like sometimes you have a small amount? Sometimes I feel like I have a lepton's worth of knowledge. Sometimes I feel like I have a lepton's worth of energy. Sometimes I have a lepton's worth of value. I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I have a lepton's worth of ability. I feel these ways. Am I the only one? But could it be that Jesus notices and Jesus wants to call attention to the very thing that everyone else would discredit, including you? He sees great value in you. Everybody with me right here. He sees great value in you, and he sees great value in your gift. The widow could have thought this. I, want, I really want you to get this. They could have thought, what is the point? I have these two leptons. I get laughed at when I go. Everyone else is marveling at everyone else's good looks, popularity, power, the Tesla that they drove up to the temple in. What am I going to do? Why bother? Why does it even matter? What is the point? But I want to tell you, that is not how Jesus felt about her. That is not how Jesus felt about her gift. Can I preach to the one who's been wondering, why bother? Maybe during worship, you have felt like, why bother? What's the point? Maybe during an altar call, every uh, other people are coming, but you've held back because you're like, why bother? What's the point? Why even go to the connect group? Why even pray? Why even try? To the parent who feels like they, they aren't up to reaching their children. They're not up to, to leading them, guiding them. I want to tell you, don't give up. Because Jesus notices. Jesus notices. I feel like I'm losing everybody's attention here. I want everybody's attention today. Everybody, y'all listen to me. I want to tell you, don't give up because God's promises are still true. To train up a child and they will never depart from that truth. That's what the word of God says. To the one in ministry who has put in years of effort but feels like they, they've only seen moments of harvest. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Because why? Jesus notices. And he says one day you're going to reap if you faint not. 
if you don't give up. To the Christian single who's trying to stay pure and holy before the Lord in a world that's telling them, you know, anything goes. Anything anything goes. Just do whatever you would like. I would tell you don't give up. Why? Because Jesus notices. In fact, he says this about you. He says you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. To the person who's trying to get out of debt, trying to get in shape, trying to grow spiritually, to the person that's trying to kick an addiction, I want to tell you, don't give up. I know it is hard, but I want you to understand this. Jesus notices. He always notices. He he notices not only this problem that you have, but he also notices every aspect of your life. And you let this little problem in your life define you, but God defines you across all of your life. And he is so proud of you. He loves you. And he wants you to never give up. What I'm about to tell you, I do not know for certain. I'm going to kind of steer off the scripture a little bit. And I'm just going to dream a little bit. Can you just dream a little bit with me? Because this woman has a story. We don't know all about this story. But I want you to just dream with me a little bit. I don't know any of this for certain. It is something that I always dream about when I read the story of the poor woman. Poor widow. Here it is. Do you think Jesus was waiting specifically for the poor widow? I can't say for certain that that's absolutely true. But I think I I feel safe enough saying it. I kind of think it is. Could it be that he positioned himself by the place of giving? And could it be that he said, hey guys, disciples, come right here. Come right here. Normally when he says come right here, it's like he's going to teach us something. He's going to sit us down. He's going to give us a parable. He's going to. No, no, no. Just sit here and look at this. He calls them right here. Why? Perhaps to show them the widow. She, in fact, is the only one that Jesus points out to his disciples in the story. Isn't that true? It is. She's the only one. Jesus doesn't marvel at anyone else's gifts, but he stops everything. And he says, there it is. I want you to see this. I want to point this out to you. That that is the greatest gift that's being given. Can you imagine? Now we'll go a little further. Can you imagine with me that this is not even the first time he's seen the widow? You think that could be possible? I mean, if he knew to come to this spot, and he knew that she would be here, That maybe, Courtney, this is not the first time he had seen this woman and her heart to give to the Lord with reckless abandon. Perhaps Jesus had even seen her bring her humble offering before. Perhaps he was so moved by the widow that on this, the Passion Week, what's the Passion Week? It's the last week of his life before the cross. On the last week of his life, he says, oh, There's something we got to do today. What time is it? We've got 
to get there. And he positions himself. Sorry, is this seat taken? I am going to sit. Guys, Peter, Peter, Bartholomew, come on. Simon, get zealous about it. Come over here. Simon is zealous. All right, come over here. We got to watch this. Look, he doesn't even tell them. I have a friend, Scott Fain. Scott Fain, if you're watching, I love you, man. But one of my favorite things about Scott Fain is watching a movie with Scott Fain is an event. There is an event called watching a movie with Scott Fain. It's unlike any other thing you'll ever experience. You'll sit down, and he's like, oh, sit right here, Chris. We're going to, do you need anything? Here's a drink. Here's popcorn. And he'll sit, and you're watching this. Let's say we're watching Weekend at Bernie's 2. Even though we never saw Weekend at Bernie's 1. We're just, we're in it. And he's like, this is how Scott Fain watches the movie with you. He doesn't watch the movie. He watches you watch the movie. <laughs> and if you laugh, he's like, you like that part? If you like that part, you're really going to enjoy the next part. It's really good. And he's just so excited about you enjoying the movie. I want you to get, and he, he has Scott with his big red beard. He's got this thing about him. He wants you to enjoy it so much, and he wants you to realize what the big deal that's about to happen in the next scene is. And so he will watch you. He knows that there's a, like a jump scare coming or something really funny that made him chuckle early. So he wants to watch you watch it. Jeremy, am I telling the truth? Did you ever watch the movie, Scott? I don't know. Oh, man. Next week, come. We're just going to watch Scott Fain watch a movie with us. I want you to just picture Jesus not only might be watching the widow, but he might be watching his disciples to see if they caught it. And then when they didn't catch it, I said, did you see it? Did you see that? That thing everybody else looked at, someone might have even chuckled about. Someone might have even thought a, a stupid, mean, ugly thought about this woman. Catch it. What she was the best. What she gave was so remarkable. I want you to see it. See it. And here he is. It's the last week of his life before the cross. And he's like, this is so important. You've got to see it. Church, do we see this stuff? Or does it blow right past us? Do you realize how beautiful it is when someone comes and gives their heart to the Lord? Do you see that? Do you rejoice over that? Do you rejoice when you see little kids come into church? And yeah, they run around and they cause messes. And yeah, they're loud. And then they come to a connect group and they're loud in a small room. I get it. But do you realize how beautiful it is that those kids are there to get that? Do you realize how beautiful it is to, to see people giving their time at church and coming to study their Bible and see a new Christian with the Bible? Do you realize how beautiful it is to see a Christian not know where a single book is and they're looking anyway trying to find it he said mark it's got to be in here somewhere it's got to be it's beautiful it's beautiful sometimes we look past these things jesus wants jesus wants us to not miss it that's his story here with the, the widow perhaps he was so moved by the widow that on the passion week he made sure to take his disciples to the right place and the right time to see something truly amazing. Why? Because Jesus notices. Jesus notices. And I think it's so beautiful 
as you read on in your Bible, you read in the book of Acts, you see the church feeding a group of people called widows. You, you, you see James writing words like this. He says, pure religion is to take care of widows and orphans. Where do you think he got that? Jesus highlighting, lifting up the one that everyone else looks past, putting her right here for everyone to see. I want to tell you today, it is time to say goodbye to the stupid act of judging the worth of others. Don't you think it's time to say goodbye to that? It's time. I also want to, I want to dismantle this thing. Anybody want to dismantle this thing today? The truth is that this hierarchy scoreboard of worth doesn't even really exist. It only exists in someone's mind. And because they think it exists in their mind, they think it's real. And so then they treat them bad because their mind says that this matters somehow. It does not matter. The true judge of your worth is who? It's God. And he loves you so much that he loves you with the love that is unsurpassable. Can you say unsurpassable? It is an unsurpassable love. What does that mean? That means that nobody can love you greater than that. I want to tell you that he loves the widow and he loves the billionaire the exact same. You agree with that? He loves the homeless, and he loves the powerful, exact same. I'm telling you, if you don't, if you can't even quote a scripture, there's something that just leaps up in your heart and says that's true. How do you know he loves them the same? Because he loves them with an unsurpassable love. Right? Knowing every aspect of your life. He still loves you with the love that can't be surpassed. So what does he do? He actually takes us all and he, every one of us, lifts us up and gives us the top place of his love. Agree with that. Clap your hands if you agree with that. I don't know where you place yourself in this hierarchy, and I don't know where the world places you, but I want to tell you, none of it matters at all. What matters is this, that God holds you to the highest place of love. What is his unsurpassable love? Do you know what it is? His own son came to earth and to ultimately reign as king. That's what Jesus is. He's He's actually the king, right? So Jesus, this is the unsurpassable love of God, that Jesus came to earth. But instead of taking this spot, do you know where Jesus goes? Jesus doesn't even reign. And people came and stepped on him. People came, they said hurtful things about him. 
came and they ripped it. People came and they put holes in it. They hung him to a cross. This is what Jesus did. People came. Jesus came and people threw him away. They made fun of everything he stood for. And they rejoiced when he drew his final breath on the cross. And the Bible says that that is love. Instead of going to this spot, he went to this part to lift us all up with an unsurpassing love. Now, who did he do that for? You ought to raise your hand and say it was me. Now, put your hand down. Who did he do that for? Your enemy. He did that for every person. He did that for the person you really like. He does that for the person you don't like. He did that for the other politician, the one you didn't vote for. He did it. He does it for everybody. He does it for everybody. That is unsurpassable love. Because God loves you with an unsurpassable love. That's why Jesus came. I want you to know this. There is no one on the face of the earth that God loves more than blank. You can fill that blank in. With anybody on the earth. And it's true. Some of us today. Need to put the word you in. You need to know that. There is no one on the face of the earth. That God loves more than you. And you need to receive that. You need to hold on to it. You need to know it's true. You need to thank the Lord. It might bring you to cry. And that's good. If it brings you to that place. Let those tears flow because it is life changing to know that there's no one on the earth that God loves more than you. But some of us need to put our worst enemy in the blank. Whoever that person is, you need to put them in the blank. There's some people, maybe somewhere, someone has a racist issue, problem with racism. I want you to know whoever that person is, you have a racism against. They go in the blank. Jesus loves them, and he loves no one else more than them. About sexism, or some kind of lifestyle that you don't agree with, can I tell you, they go in the blank. In fact, you have never met a person that God does not love with an unconditional, unsurpassable love. You've never met the person God doesn't love. Should that change how we treat people? Redemption Church, should that change how we love people? Should that change how we see a need? How we know we need to we need to reach out. That's a person. That's not just any person we pass on the side of the road. That's a person that Jesus loved. Poor widows with seemingly little to offer are welcome. Why? Because nobody is left out. Nobody's left out. That's what this is all about. That's what this story is about. The most disenfranchised in the culture is not left out. I want to invite you to come today and to tear down 
your judgment hierarchy. It is so easy to judge others. It is so easy to put yourself above others. It is so easy to put yourself below others. Can I just encourage you today? Tear it all down. Come to the altar. Say, God, forgive me for that. Some of you need to repent of how you've been thinking about yourself. And some of us need to repent for how we thought about others. Sometimes you drive by someone on the side of the road and they're asking for help. And you might think a thought that places them on this hierarchy or repent of that today. Repent of that. Am I preaching to anybody today? I know I am. And maybe let's flip this then. Come today and celebrate the unsurpassable love. You have it. You aren't coming today to beg for it. You aren't coming today because if you pray for at least four minutes, you'll have it. No, that's not it. Come today and just celebrate it. Thank Him for it. And come give what little you have to offer. Even a lepton's worth. Come give it with a full assurance that Jesus notices it and Jesus loves it. Psalters are open right now. I'm going to pray for us. If for more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us, and have a blessed day.